and welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. I'm Ed, and I'm here again with Claire. Hello. Nick. Hiya. Paul. Hello. And Sophie. Hello. And today is our final episode in our four-part Advent series, uh, where we've been looking at hope, love, peace, and joy. Joy and peace. And we're finishing this on peace and that, that's what we're talking about today and we'll be kind of discussing um, where do we see peace in and through the Christmas story where do we see it in our world and what relevance does it like uh, have to actually living a life as a follower of Christ um, and we've all brought our questions around this um, and I'm just wondering whether someone could give us a good starting place of a definition of what peace is and um, yeah what we mean when we talk about peace and my eyes are immediately dropping to Paul Hardcastle. Hardcastle. I even went full Yorkshire for you there as well. Um, Thank you. Castle. Hardcastle. That is my name after all. Um, yeah, uh, I have done my Googling. Um, peace. There are two um, definitions. Freedom from disturbance or tranquility or a state or period in which there is no war. Um, and then a Christian definition. Um, the Hebrew word for peace. Shalom. <laughs> Um, has a lot of different sort of meanings, including completedness, success, fulfillment, mm. wholeness, harmony, and security. So that's that's interesting. I hadn't, in all of the prep for this, I hadn't made that link with shalom, which is crazy because that that's yeah, that's such a clear link. But I remember thinking back to the sin episode we did when asking what is sin. We one of the one of the examples we came up, which I think was quoting Rob Bell was saying that sin was breaking God's shalom, which was breaking the peace that God is wanting to instill in the world. So there, that we've kind of got these two opposing forces in a, in a way of peace and sin. And God's, uh, God's kingdom is personified by peace and what, what we're fighting against or what, this, what, um, what God is overthrowing is, is sin in the world. And I guess that's an interesting parallel there that I hadn't quite thought of up until now. I guess when when you start to explore the concept of that shalom, it's such um, it's like overarching, isn't it? I, I think it it pulls on a few strands, um, peace being one of them certainly, um, but I think it kind of goes sort of wider than than that as well. It's uh, yeah, I think it usually is translated just as peace, but I think when you actually start to look at it to, to try to understand it. it i think it's more than it's more than just peace i think as we've found with the previous episodes for those who've listened um a simple christian definition of these words sometimes isn't uh possible uh, given that it took us 40 minutes in the last episode to uh, not find out really what we thought joy meant <laughs> i want to know who thinks they've got it in together enough to write these definitions you know what I mean? <laughs> it takes confidence fair play to them <laughs> Excellent. So I think we should dive right in with our first question. And we're over to Paul for this one. Um, so, yeah, I've already mentioned that we struggled a little bit with uh, in a strict definition on joy. Um, so I'm going to make it more complicated and ask, um, what do we think the difference is between peace and joy? Um, I'll start with my own thoughts, I guess. Um, there's a it's, it's quite a, a strange link between the two, I would say. Um I think they're both born of God's love um, and an outpouring of that. Um, but I would say that peace is uh, 
sort of a, an inner calmness um, in the same way that like we've described shalom already, whereas joy is a more celebratory feeling, I guess a more uplifting feeling. But um, if anyone's listened to the joy episode, they'll know that there is a, a lot, a lot of uh, competition for that theory. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. It's interesting because talking about the difference between peace and joy, kind of my mind goes towards that joy being the extrovert version of expressing God's love and peace being like the introvert version of expressing God's love in terms of that. Yeah, one is that exuberant celebration and one is that quiet reflection. Now, whether that's true or not, is a different matter. But in terms of the natural understanding of joy and peace, that's where I came to with that. I think in the last episode, Paul, you asked if you could be, if you could be joyful but also unhappy. And I think this is where the distinction is. Perhaps I think you can be at peace but also unhappy. But I don't think you can be at joy or joyful, um, but also unhappy. I, for me, peace is is a really deep sense of knowing that everything's going to be okay whatever that everything is that's what peace is and I think God brings that in a very real way knowing knowing that you're unconditionally loved brings that in a in a really powerful way so that's the the distinction for me is that that yeah that deep sense of knowing everything's going to be okay rather than something that's similarly connected but perhaps aside as a different emotion i guess contentment and happiness might be two different like contentment for peace and happiness for for joy are probably two different ways of terming it but i don't think contentment really goes far enough well, neither does happiness to be honest but in i definitely in, i definitely see terms. what you're getting at and uh, yeah i think to put any an, uh, a simple definition on it helps to sort of understand where we're coming from with the, the sort of thoughts behind it then we also need to be careful not to exclusively talk about these ideas on a individualistic way in an individualistic way as in um, pieces only exists in our mind or only exists as something that we we feel because I think when God well I think when God talks about peace when we talk we see shalom and we talk about we see peace talked about in the Bible I think a lot of that is actually talking about peace for our world is talking about systems being brought in line with God's kingdom, about the end of war and end of um, suffering and like countries being at peace and communities, towns, the world experiencing peace, not just an individual feeling. And I, I, I think that obviously we, I don't want to say that peace doesn't mean that we feel at peace because that's certainly important, but there is this idea, and again, going back to the sin episode, I, I find myself thinking a lot about that when we talk about peace. That we we spoke about how there is sin on an individual level, but there is sin on an, a systemic level. That there are systems in place that are sinful and are against what got God's kingdom. And actually, when we talk about peace, perhaps we're talking about God restoring Earth, restoring this world to His vision, to His to His dream for what this world will be, and that is embodied by peace and um, I find that in a way a much more exciting thing because like being at peace for myself it, it's so it as on an individual level that is really important but actually we're talking about the whole world being brought 
to to be a peaceful place so actually all those and all those animals and everyone or humans can experience this peace and uh, live within a world of peace um yeah so that hasn't answered your question but i think when you it, like push all of these ideas out to a global view the idea of peace and the idea of joy perhaps become more different than when we have them just as an individual yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think when I think of peace, the the kind of the, the phrase that springs to mind, I don't really quite know why, is the phrase justice is served or justice has been served. And that brings me back to um, a podcast. <laughs> I'm not a, a paid advertising, by the way, but there's a nomad podcast um, where they do an interview with um, Azariah, Azariah France Williams. Um, and they talk about his new book called Ghost Ship. And in that, he explains um, something that his, his, I think it's his grandma once said, which was, um, I'd give up my rights for peace. I'd give up my personal rights to see peace at work in the world, to see that shalom. And then he flips it on its head and says, I give up my peace for rights. I give up the peace that I personally experience to empower the rights of others. And for me, that then draws the link between whether it's a personal peace or a, I guess, systemic peace in that sense, a peace across the world. It's intrinsically linked with people having rights, having their justice be truthful and being brought in line with the kingdom of God. What does it look like for everybody and no matter their background their um experiences their heritage to experience the peace of god in or everybody having the rights that they deserve that's, yeah that's a really interesting idea and i guess you you kind of end up with an idea that peace without justice on on a on a big kind of systemic scale is just a sort of stasis it's not real peace it's a sort of holding place and like if there's no justice it can't be real peace that justice in a way is a prerequisite for peace and therefore when we talk about peace on a on a global scale actually when we talk and we talk about god's kingdom being a kingdom of peace that means that justice will have will everyone will have their rights we we know that suffering will will end in that kingdom and that people will be treated in the way that god desires them to be um so yeah there is a really interesting link there between justice and peace um certainly on a global scale a lot of what i've read about peace is about that uh, concept of wholeness and completeness and about restoring relationships and i guess it links to that in terms of peace is about having a right relationship with other people so whether that's other nations whether it's within our family within our friends having those right relationships but then also peace is about having a right relationship with ourselves and a right relationship with god and i'm kind of related but in terms of jesus is that prince of peace because through jesus we can have that right relationship with god through him we can have that right relationship with one another and through him we can have that right relationship with ourselves so in many ways it kind of encompasses everything so, and that, that justice as sophie was saying yeah to have that peace and that justice do come hand in hand 
cool. Let's jump into the next question. So I think next up we have got Claire. So in Matthew 10, 34, Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. But then, and we have to think about this, uh, in Isaiah 9, verse 6, Jesus is talked of as the Prince of Peace. So how do they fit together? This is a horrible question because it makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, that is one of the most difficult right. bits of scripture, um, I, well, I think. And that just that Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace. If it ended there, that would be difficult enough. But but a sword. Yeah, I've, I have no idea. I just wanted to echo how, how perturbed I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a hard one to think about, isn't it? Um, in in the context of it, he's saying, "Prepare yourself for conflict," isn't he? He's saying uh, that he goes on to say, "I think um, about brothers and sisters and and uh, people within your immediate family circles not really accepting Christ or the gospel." Um, I think so. Anyway, um, so I think he's saying, "Prepare yourself for that," because that's that's a a real thing that happens as a result of following the way. Uh, but when I was, I was also trying to think of what else, the, the sword, what else could that mean? And in Ephesians, now you're asking six, um, there's the armor of God and the, the sword of the spirit um, is referenced there. So I'm wondering if maybe that could be another link. Again, it's, it's just off the top of my head thinking rather than any real research into that. But um that you then you kind of take that step back and he says, but not peace. So where does that fit in? I guess that yeah, maybe that that inner turbulence that that maybe there's at some points there's there's choices to be made that will be uncomfortable choices. That's how I read it. This is gonna this this might cause a bit of discomfort for you because you you might have to choose between living the way or um yeah f friends and family essentially. I guess that's what it boils so, down to. Um, Luke 12, um, verse 51 says, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, rather division. Um, so I think that kind of goes with what you're suggesting, Nick. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's the same story or not. Um, so I'm not going to... I'm assuming it is, but I don't want to say that for definite, so please don't take my word for it. Um, so I wonder if that's just a different... Um, maybe a different translation or... Um, um, a different retelling of the story but I think um, that's quite an interesting difference as the sword as to division it still smarts a bit doesn't it hearing Jesus say there's going to be a division and, and because for me the gospel is a gospel of inclusivity, inclusiveness yeah, and reconciliation is. isn't it it's yeah. bringing together yeah but I, I guess uh, <laughs> Yeah, the the conflict I think is between the choice of doing the right thing and not. I, I, that's how I read it. Do, doing, you've got a real choice to make, and that might cause some conflict within you and within other people, and that's going to disturb your inner peace at, at some on some level. I I wonder if it's more of a. Um, so when he says rather division, I think it's maybe being accepting that the choices that we make based on knowing Jesus more might not be the same as the choices that other people have made, especially when he's talking to um, 
to the Jews when they're having to grapple with these things where Jesus has basically said, actually, I think what you're doing is the wrong way of going about things. Um, there will be people that disagree and being willing to stand by what you believe when other people disagree and still there is an element of still remaining peaceful in that, but accepting that there is a division there as well. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's that owning that that feeling, isn't it? Owning that there is going to be a little bit. It's okay for there to be a little bit of angst in that decision making. Yeah, and this is one of the things I, I really love about Jesus. Actually, is that in all of this, I still see him as the peacemaker. That's who he's been been brought to be. But it's not saying that it's going to be comfortable and it's going to be easy and we're all going to sit back and have a cup of tea and everything's going to be fine and we're not actually going to need to do anything. You know, you see him turning over the tables in the temple and saying, what are you doing? What have you done to my father's house? And it's the the disruption is is coming from being that peacemaker. I don't know if you've ever tried to stay calm while someone else is angry at you, but it only makes them angrier. <laughs> if you're trying to remain peaceful and not fighting back against what's happening, it only creates more of a of a scene or of an event of it because they don't we can't understand why the other person isn't reacting the way that we are so the the tension of um what could what we could do which is kick up a violent fuss and then jesus coming and being this peacemaker and yet still making decisions and encouraging us to make decisions the way that he does in being different from the world, you, you know, we talk about this phrase quite a lot where to be in the world, but not of it um, and, and holding on to that tension that it's not it's not comfortable to to be the sword, to 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 strip away the things that are hurtful and damaging and causing pain to others. That's not done by sitting back with a fluffy rug and, and watching it happen and not doing anything. Yeah, I think that's that's it. That's exactly it for me. So I think you nailed it there. That's that's what how I read it anyway. Not not necessarily that, that is truth in itself, but that's how I read it. So I think one is in bed. Yeah, and we we spoke earlier about um, justice being a prerequisite for real peace. Um, and I run. I wonder whether peace is a process, or I don't know. I don't know. I th- yeah, I think I, I think yeah, I agree it's... with you. Is it a process or a destination, I guess? Is is that the question that you're asking? Yeah, yeah. I And, you know, there's this link between peace and non-violence and, like, in some ways, non, non-violence is peace lived out and actively rejecting to engage in any sort of violence will, is is what leads to peace. And, you know, that, that can be physical violence, emotional violence, spiritual violence, whatever um whatever you want but yeah i don't know i don't know what i'm talking about but uh <laughs> yeah my head's spinning on this one mm. maybe it's a good time to move on to our next question um sophie this is our last question actually yeah so my last question um is is peace a way of us understanding the holy spirit so this was brought about for me. Um, I read uh, the, the bit of um, Zachariah's song in Luke 1, um, verses 78 and 79, where it says, The rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on us, uh, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. 
and that's kind of brought out um for me a lot of thoughts and uh, a little bit of reading about uh, peace theologies um, which are fascinating and and passing in our life after Jesus as the peacemaker um, and non-violent and what have you um, but then you also have uh, different verses in the Bible um, like Philippians 4 verse 7 um, says the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and that almost conversely kind of personifies it and it's something not um that we we try to walk alongside but as a as a robust almost a physical thing that holds us up and makes us strong which then made me think about whether peace is an outworking of the work of the holy spirit in building up the kingdom of god but i don't know is peace a way of us understanding the holy spirit could you just um, quickly explain what you mean by peace theology? And you mentioned that briefly there. Yeah, so I looked up um, some, tried to find a quite a neat definition for this. Um, and there aren't a lot, it has to be said. But I did find um, on a website called movement.org.uk, which is a, a student, one minute, a student Christian movement. Um, there's a, a Quaker tutor who works out of Birmingham um, and he explained it like this and um, he said Christian peace theology is founded upon the premise that if Jesus is who the church has traditionally proclaimed him to be the word made flesh and God incarnate then the example of his life and teachings reveals the true nature of God and serves as a pattern for Christian life and ethics the way of Jesus is made known to us both through biblical witness and by the Holy Spirit through the presence of the living word with us and within us, Jesus calls us to be peacemakers, to resist non, to resist evil nonviolently, and to love our enemies. He teaches that the kingdom of God does not operate by the violent ways of the world and rejects the use of violence to defend himself. It's such a massively countercultural thing when you look at well, well now's definitely, but um, when you look at Roman society or if you if you look into the history of how the romans lived like violence was a sport like they'd watch people getting killed for a laugh like that was that was part of the culture death was very much a part of life um if excuse the paradox there um and someone saying this in the in like a, a um in a, a roman city it's so revolutionary it's like oh, what do you mean you're rejecting violence so we can't you know, we can't go to the Coliseum now or we can't, you know, we can't kill people that we don't really like anymore. What's What does this really mean? What? So it's, I think we're a little bit more refined as a society. Well, thankfully, we are more refined as a society now that those things don't exist, although you still see the death penalty wildly used across the, across the world. So maybe we're not that refined. Um, but, yes, so the, the message of peace has always been a really countercultural one. Um, I wonder if that if that ties in um, with what you were saying earlier, Ed, about the the peace movement. I guess, mm. and I, I think, yeah, we we have become a um, a really a, a, a much improved society, I, I guess, from the Romans, and um, that that violence, that physical violence, isn't isn't um, isn't part of our culture, and that's a great thing, but. 
I guess maybe this this could raise some eyebrows, but in some senses, our, the systems we've created are incredibly violent. I mean, at its core, capitalism is economic violence to others, isn't it? And in I'm some, maybe that's a controversial thing, but essentially, capitalism is just ruthless in that whoever whoever has the best um, and most ruthless approach to creating money and um, generating profit rises to the top and others are squashed and bought out and like billionaires are made and then we have massive wealth inequality throughout our throughout our society because we promote a system that is economically violent to those on the bottom and that's how those at the top stay there and that's a incredibly I guess political statement as well and I'm no I'm sure people would disagree with me but I, I guess the point behind that is that that we have violence in other ways throughout our culture and we may think that we we live in a non-violent culture completely but i think there are there are more subtle ways that violence is perpetrated of people pushing others down to pull themselves up and i think that when we talk about systemic peace and peace being lived out in its fullest sense we've got to look at those systems we've got to look at other ways in which people are oppressed for others to prosper yeah i think um Maybe not necessarily that all capitalism is um, has to be violent, because um, I think you can. I think it, it or very often is, um, but I think you can be in a capitalist capitalist society and not be violent about the way that you do that. Um, I'm sensing there's some disagreement I, across the podcast from the from I guess the eyes. Without that can... this becoming a, poli a politics episode, the the example thrown against other systems, for example, socialism or, or um, whatever else you want to talk about, is that wherever it's been tried, it hasn't worked. And if we're saying that capitalism can be done without violence, I would say I've never seen an example of that where it hasn't been economically violent to the, to those at the bottom, and if we're holding that for one one economic system, we need to hold it for all as where is the evidence of that? And I haven't, I don't think we've ever seen an a capitalist society that doesn't, doesn't exercise some sort of economic violence to oppress those in the, in the bottom wealth demographics um, for the prosperity of those at the top. The problem is it always comes at someone else's expense to capitalism, doesn't it? Yeah. So, so if you do operate in an ethical way, like you say, Paul, you get crushed by the other guy who doesn't, that's that and that's probably the systemic problem with it is that if everybody did it then yes it would work very much like socialism like, or communism if everybody did it it'd work but the, the practicalities of it don't seem to i guess there's a human nature issue there whether that's uh evolutionary or or what is this, the uh, survival of the fittest or whatever else the biggest and the strongest and all the rest of it it, it doesn't it's that doesn't seem to fit alongside the message but what do you do i mean what do you do about that what can you do about capitalism yeah and you know like uh, that's probably not where i expected this episode to go but <laughs> <laughs> so apologies for that listener i've gone very left wing all of a sudden who who knew um but uh i think I guess the the point is there that if we're we're talking about God's kingdom being lived out and we're talking about peace being really instituted throughout all of creation in a way that God only God can do, we're not talking about which is the best man-made economic system. We're talking about what can God achieve where we cannot. And for me, we, we can we can we can acknowledge the violence within our own systems uh, and say that God will. 
God's kingdom will be different to this. And that's not me saying socialism is better than capitalism. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying that God's kingdom will not look like our economic system. It won't look like socialism. It won't look like capitalism because it will have withdrawn from it any sort of violence and we will see peace in a way that has not been established here on earth before. So how does that peace, or does that peace give us a way of understanding the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I think it does. I think if we if we believe that God's God is a a God with a spirit of peace, and that um, in God's kingdom there there will be peace. Um, however, you see God's kingdom being played out, whether we're talking about the God's kingdom on earth or in heaven, um, God's kingdom is one of peace. So I think it's it's intrinsic to to the Holy Spirit and has to be one of the things the Holy Spirit is about, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's a lens to look through, isn't it? To see a facet of the Holy Spirit, if you forgive lots of different analogies in the same sentence. Um, yeah, I think it provides a, a useful um, tool for being able to see an element of the Holy Spirit. I, I guess a, a question that's kind of followed on from that is we looked at peace and then as a as a institution and then being at peace separately can can you be at peace if there isn't peace if you see what i mean so let's look at let's take what we were just talking about as an example where where we live in a society where well, okay we've we've evolved from physical violence but we've we experience violence in our oppression in very different ways can we as christians be at peace with living within that or in which case, can we ever be at peace, I suppose, the extension of that? I think for me, um, that comes back to the, I can't remember where it is in the Bible, I don't know if it's James or Acts or somewhere else, um, where it talks about a holy discontent. And a, a deep, again, that kind of deep-seated unsettling that something's not right, that people aren't being treated the way that they should be, or they're being oppressed or exploited. Um, and again, that, that shalom is not being fully um realized in, in, in God's kingdom so I would say that whilst it perhaps doesn't traumatize our our every waking moment I think we should be have a holy discontent and be unsettled that shalom is not being lived out and that's spurring us on to to seek the building of God's kingdom and and therefore re reaching that state of shalom for everyone it's interesting because we often think of peace as kind of the absence of conflict and the absence of hardship or whatever but kind of i read something talks about how peace is the presence of christ and how so in the midst of war in the midst of conflict christ yeah. is still present whether we and we don't whether we see that we often ask in suffering and in heart and in in difficult situations where is god and he is still present there and that peace can be there then it comes down to that yeah that definition of what is peace to us yeah i think i agree that we we can definitely have peace within that inner peace because of because you know we the bible tells us about christ dwelling within us and the holy spirit coming and filling us and even the Bible talking about the fruit of the spirit. And actually, if we have an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, what should we see in our lives? And one of those things is peace. And I think that's, that is, that is an amazing thing because we are experiencing God's kingdom 
and here and in in um the lord's prayer we we have that line of um on earth as it is in heaven and ex- and i think we're experiencing god's kingdom as it is in heaven as it will be um in the in the future established here on earth right now and that is that is one of the great things about the gospel is that we have like we we have a good we have good news to share in that peace is available for those right now for for people right now and that's offered by by jesus i think it's just thinking about it it's interesting because if the more we do in a way to pursue peace like the godly peace actually in some ways we find ourselves in more in more trouble is the easy option is just to go along with whatever to stick with the status quo isn't it if we want the easy life we just let things carry on as they are but if we really want to pursue peace to pursue right relationships actually that makes our life more difficult and in the way the world would see would see it we're making our lives less peaceful in a weird way I guess that links back to your question earlier, Claire, about bringing uh, not being in peace, but the sword, like that pursuit of that peace, then takes you to the, that conflict. So I guess that's quite nicely ties those those two bits together. Well, I think we are just about done for today. Um, thank you so much for joining us for this Advent series. I hope that you have enjoyed it, and I hope that it has sparked some further thought for you. It certainly has for us. Um, if you have any questions or if you have any um, opinions or strong disagreements with anything that's been said on this um, or agreements, you never know. Maybe someone out there agrees with something that's been said in this hour or however long this podcast is. Um, please do share that with us. We would love to hear that either by you know messaging the Some Sort of Miracle page itself, messaging any one of us if you happen to know us, or by dropping it into the listener group um, on Facebook. Uh, We really, really appreciate uh, your thoughts and would love to hear and grow from your your experiences, too. So um, until we see you next time, which will be in 2021, um, we hope you have a wonderful new year and we'll see you then. Bye. Merry Christmas. Bye.